Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Be There in Five podcast. I'm Kate Kennedy. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm Kate Kennedy, your host. After a brief hiatus, I did a live podcast last week. It was so freaking fun. I can't wait to do another one. It, it's like um, I feel two ways. On the one hand, I'm too terrified to listen to the audio to like give any of it to you guys, but I'm hoping I'll get there at some point. Uh, it was a little odd for me trying to like anchor um, entertainment on a stage when I'm not like a performer, right? Like, and I'm not saying that to fish for compliments, but like literally, you know, I, 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 I don't know. I was like trying really hard not to do bad stand up because in my head I sounded like if Seinfeld told American Girl doll jokes and like just it's just really not what I want for my life. Um, but hopefully I'll get the audio. I'll figure out what I'm going to do with it. Um, I don't want people to feel left out by any means, but. I definitely am trying to plan some stuff for New York and Richmond, at least going forward. And then people, if there's like a, if you want me to come to your city, there's a form on my Instagram bio. The Chicago one was kind of like a Christmas spec, like special. I don't think, I don't know what I'm going to do is just like approach cities that I have a lot of listeners and or friends and do small venues and just be like, Hey, are there any like random nights you can't fill in the dead of winter? Like, you know, and I'll come and maybe I want to have a balloon installation, but at least I can come verbally tap dance <laughs> for you. But um, anyway, so for that form and in general, for all the pop culture news you've never needed or wanted, go to my Instagram at Be There in 5, F-I-V-E, or join Be There in 5's Totally Casual Breezy Facebook group. Uh, make sure you answer the questions, though, because I filter out responses that don't answer the questions. Anyway, so if you're new here, usually I'll do my own intro talk for like 15, 20 minutes. Um, about things I forgot to say or my thoughts on the episode and then go into the interview. If you want to go straight into the interview, by all means. But I forgot to talk about so many things about like books nostalgia wise that I wanted to cover that I can't remember if I've talked about on the podcast or not. Um, and also, I am really excited about this decades podcast I'm working on that I wanted to tell you about. Um, but anyways, no, I'm so excited to have Grace and Becca on the podcast today from Bad on Paper podcast. Grace was on my Under the Influencer episode in like September, I believe. That's a really great episode if you want to go listen to it about her career. No, it's fun to have Becca on as well. And we talked more about their podcast, their friendship, um, a little bit about books and pop culture. And it was just an all around great time. And I apologize, too, if my voice like on their podcast, too, I'm on theirs this week. So make sure to listen to both if you want four hours of the three of us talking. Um, this was like my 12th hour of talking that day when I was in New York. I booked out a bunch of stuff. And when I start to get tired, my voice I'll stop, I'll stop enunciating and I'll start to talk faster to get out the words more quickly, but it like doesn't work. And I don't know. I just was listening to myself on both of these and I'm like, oh my God, I did. I don't even think in the, in the moment you realize that you're kind of um, fading, but uh, I hope you still enjoy listening anyway. I'm excited because the podcast I'm working on that'll be out, I don't know, in the next sometime in the next week is about the 2010s. It's a decades podcast. It's just me, but I'm having a great time. I just like there's so many great things that the 2010s brought us, specifically Pinterest Nation, um, from the fashions to the DIY projects, like way above our skill set. I just like I'm having a great time being like, you know, ladies, put down the wood pallets. What are we doing with all these chalkboard signs? Like, we don't need so many mason jars. We don't need burlap. We don't need twine. Like, we're okay. We, we don't need tea roses on every acrylic table. We don't need marble on top of every gold-plated table. We don't need a, a shag rug thrown artfully over a singular chair in your closet. Like, it's fine. I, I kind of laughed, too, because, like, at what point... At the early 2010s, we're just like, 
so many statement necklaces, so many blanket scarves, so many like revelatory blog posts that were like, how to tie a scarf 50 ways. And I'm like, oh my God, is that a knot? That's wild. And uh, I just like, at what point did like chambray, like wearing denim go from like Warner Brothers store couture to like full on, you know, J Crew fab. I feel like pre 2010, if you were wearing a denim button down, it definitely had like Porky Pig, Wiley Coyote and, uh, you know, the Tasmanian Devil and Tweety Bird, like tweaking out the lapel, tweaking. <laughs> you know, like when Elmer Fudd's on meth and he like peeks out of your shirt pocket. No, um, but yeah. And then at one point we battened down the hatches with our barnacle bubble necklaces, hit up the J crew and and at some point get regurgitated back out wearing what was once a Canadian tuxedo and is now high end Pinterest friendly fashions with riding boots, with blanket scarves. I mean, an, an arm party was the best kind of party. Honestly, the probably the, one of the more fun parties I went to in the early 2010s were the stack of bracelets on my arms and like the two ginormous watches I never wear now. I think, too, I look back and what frustrates me is like us basics like really move the needle. We're the ones that really harnessed Pinterest and like went to town. We just we we probably are funding the chalk paint industry there for a while. I mean, honestly, like call us basic, but we should be called venture capitalists for single handedly funding Michael Kors diffusion line. I swear to God, he went public because of our arm parties. And for that, he can thank us. I have so many thoughts, you know, whether it's ice bucket challenges in Harambe RIP or you know, talking through the evolution of going out tops. And, you know, at what point in pre-2010 did we rid of the whole, is this a shirt or dress debacle when we were like, ew, leggings aren't pants to then being like, not only am I going to count the leggings as pants, I'm also going to wear a crop top with them. So you can basically see the entire outline of my body as if it's nude, just with a smidge of fabric on it. We've really evolved. We've, you know, heavier brows now. We once evolved to a full Jafar contour. We're now devolved to a more no makeup makeup but somehow I'm wearing more makeup than ever to make myself look like a natural beauty I mean like think about what was it 2016 when Chip and Jojo came on the scene and all of a sudden we were all like yeah let's strip the walls there's definitely shiplap under there like what no like Chip hit the fan we didn't need to be doing that Chip hit the fan he's too goofy I don't want him for my spouse I need somebody that just takes things a little bit more seriously and doesn't willy-nilly throw an axe all over the place I just have, I just, I don't know. I, I'm still so excited about this. So I'll go record that, but come back and listen to it. It'll be on soon. And um, today we're talking about a whole diff, like a whole lot of different things. When I walked away from the convo with Grace and Becca, I was kind of like, shoot, there were so many things I wanted to talk to them about kind of nostalgia related because this podcast is largely pop culture based, but the kind of then and now pop culture, I think a lot of aspects of nostalgia are so magical. And as I'm in my, you know, go through my thirties, I'm kind of regressing through a lot of it. Hence, doing a deep dive into like sorority life and getting fined and sent to standards and dancing on tables. Um, hence, doing like a true love waits purity deep dive about how I just now am realizing how problematic all of the messaging I learned about sex in the church and public school system was. Hence, you know, reminiscing through Visco Girls and the episode Visco Girl Wash Your Face, where I just realized basically it's all a cycle and Visco Girls are now what we, this amalgam of what we were in the 90s and 2000s. I also have an episode called Bath and Body Jerks where I reminisce through mall culture and how I would spend the $5 I'd be given, um, you know, on one singular polished rocket of natural wonders or like maybe a Bath and Body Works hand sanitizer because it's all I could afford. Well, my friends were just like dropping mad cash at like the Sam Goody and the Abercrombie on the inappropriate screen printed T-shirts, which in that episode, I also read off 
the most inadvertently sexual shirts people wore before like age 13 from Abercrombie and American Eagle. And it is quite funny. So just a few um a few different ways to direct you if you are new here, and I hope you'll come back. Um, speaking of $5, though, on this episode, the thing I was like wanting to talk to Grace and Becca about was like the Scholastic Book Fair, because I think it's such a funny thing. But then I was like, I think I've talked about it before. And, um, you know, I just have such fond memories. And like when kids would order from those, not disgusting, but like there was those Scholastic Book Order forms that would come out and they were like so flimsy and like bled on your hands and the design quality was so bad, like. I can only imagine they were made from like recycled Calvin and the Hobbes books that they were never selling that were always on the back. Um, there was like such a funny intellectual range too. it was like, you know, the giver and hatchet. But then like, oh, wow, Trevor, you're so intellectual. You ordered three more Garfield books. Like it kind of made me laugh because when you would see the piles of books, kids would get back from those order forms. It was kind of like a bar graph for their socioeconomic status because people would have like piles of books with like a post-it on it with their name. And I'd be like, damn. You've got money if you've got hardcover books. But then it was like also this other variable I'd throw in because hardcover. Yeah, hardcover equals cash to a degree. But also the type of book really was a great barometer for like, you know, if we'd be good friends or not, because like it's one thing to have the eyewitness books about like the the human body. Like, that's great. Happy for you. I don't really like want to deep dive into anatomy after school. But like if you had I spy books, if you had the freaking like $20 Guinness Book of World Records hardcover book for that year, it had a freaking hologram on the cover. If your books were hardcover and holographic, then like you definitely had a trampoline. You know what I mean? And we'd probably be friends. So it was kind of like I just like love to observe. I've, I've been lurking since I was a kid and I've just loved to observe these small things that were very indicative of like what people's parents would do for them. Because I'd kind of be like, well, OK, like, why do I have to read Sarah Plain and Tall? It, it's about a mail order bride who does a bunch of chores against her will. Like Melissa's mom is just like buying her Mad Libs, you know. But the funny thing that Becca brought up, too, that I was that was cracking me up is that apparently the Sweet Valley High books were are like so inappropriate and they could not believe how bad they were. And I was like, what are you talking about? I really didn't remember them being that crazy. And I was <laughs> Googling some of the plot lines. Actually, you know what? I'll tell you the plot lines at the end of the episode. I need to you need to have to it because this could lead. I don't even know where this would lead. Um, but I just yeah, I don't remember Sweet Valley High being that scandalous. I think I was more of a Babysitter's Club gal. I mean, who wasn't? Let's be honest. But Babysitter's Club was just a lot more, a lot more wholesome. I was always aiming to be a Dawn because she was breezy. I've always wanted to be breezy, but also just because it was played by Larissa Olenek in the Babysitter's Club movie. And I was a big Alex Mack fan. I just feel guilty because now I, you know, I respect the leadership skills of Christy. But back then, I couldn't see past the backwards cap. Oh, Stacy, like, what a mega hottie. I, who, Luca, her boyfriend. Now I'm just talking about the movie. That guy was so hot. And she had a boyfriend. I was like, damn, that's awesome. Like, if I could get a boyfriend, I'd take the diabetes, which is not cool. But, like, it's just something I thought at the time. Because, again, I was a shallow monster. I just, I could talk about these things all day. But I'll get to the episode after a brief word from our sponsor. I hope you enjoy Grace and Becca. They're a true delight. I love them. It was so fun to sit down with them. Make sure you go listen to me on their episode. Comes out Wednesday of this week. And, yeah. Talk to you soon. Bye. Okay, so what's so exciting is one of our sponsors this, this week is Lola. And Becca used to work there. And we talk about how wonderful they are later in the episode. For those of you that might not be aware, Lola is so wonderful because they're a female-founded feminine care brand. They offer high-quality period and sexual wellness products made with natural ingredients. They have tampons, pads, liners, cleansing wipes, all made with 100% organic cotton, no toxins, dyes, or synthetic fibers. And it's just kind of a simple thing when you think about it. You shouldn't have to compromise on 
the feminine care products you use and the ingredients in them. FDA doesn't require brands to disclose a comprehensive list of ingredients in their products. So when you see things like may contain XYZ, these are disclaimers to kind of offset the fact that there might be some very unnatural ingredients you're dealing with in these products. Um, so Lola believes in total ingredient transparency, which is incredible. They make their uh, period products with 100% organic cotton, and they just want to make it a little bit easier. You can choose your mix of products and absorbencies down to the exact number of lights and supers and whatnot in a box. But what's even better is that before you get started on your regular subscription, they're doing something right now called trial sets. And it's never been easier to try Lola because this is what were, was my starting point because I kind of have, I don't know, sometimes I'm a little bit lazy about doing like the right thing or I'm like, I know this is healthier, but I don't know. I just feel like overwhelmed by it. But this is what I was sent. And what I think is really great is that it's like a, a proper mixture of different products for you to try out for just $5. So there's six compact plastic uh, applicator tampons, one light, two regular, two super, one super plus paired with two ultra thin liners or two cleansing wipes. And yeah, from there you can, you'll be subscribed to their uh, monthly box that you can completely customize yourself, but you can also pause it, modify it, you know, change your frequency whether four weeks or every eight weeks. It's very flexible. It's really low risk, all reward. They're not trying to rope you into anything. Just get rather get you the products you need in a convenient, consistent format when you need them and to provide beautiful, discreet packaging and honestly, just wholly disrupt an industry that had not been revisited for far too long. And I'm incredibly impressed by what the founders have done and would love for you guys to try it out. And at the very least, uh, harness the opportunity to only be using you know, natural ingredients as it relates to your feminine care products. So to get started with the trial set, there's my HVAC, um, go to mylola.com and enter be there in five for 30% off your $5 trial set. Again, that's mylola.com and enter be there in five to get 30% off your $5 trial set. It's, it's cheaper than all of the mechanical pencil lead and functionless erasers I used to buy the Scholastic Book Fair. Really, it's a deal. You can't beat it. A lot, lot, lot more low risk than spending all your allowance money on three-hole punch reinforcers. But uh, what are you going to do? Thanks to Lola for sponsoring this episode. And now on to Grace and Becca. I'm so excited to have with me today um, Grace Atwood and Becca Freeman. Do you probably remember Grace from the Under the Influencer episode? And she does a great interview where she talks about her career. She's the founder of the blog The Stripe, formerly known as Stripes and Sequins. Good job. Good job. I'm not sure if I should buy it. No, please. Uh, And and Becca's co-host with Bad Bad on Paper podcast. She's a former corporate marketer. She's like crushing it in the influencer world, an influencer I really respect and definitely listen to her interview for more about her background. And um, we also have Becca here, and I'm so excited to have both of them. She, Becca Freeman, is a freelance marketing consultant in New York. She's worked with brands like Daily Harvest, Birchbox, Parsley Health, and Scribd. Previously, she was the head of marketing at Lola, who we love. And when she's not working, reading, or podcasting, she loves plane tickets, red wine, and 30 Rock reruns, and has never met a dog in a costume she hasn't liked. And that is a bio I respect wholeheartedly. Those are all true things. <laughs> and I'm so happy you're here, guys. I, I, I have never podcasted with two people before. This is new for me. Oh, it's so fun. The more the merrier, right? I love that we're your first. Yeah. And second. Wait till you try with, well, I don't think you'll ever have four people because like we've done the two of us with two other people. 
Oh, really? Mm-hmm. See, I was actually pretty impressed with you guys, how you, you've never talked over each other once. And I feel like I'd be like, I'd have trouble with that. We have to sit so that we're looking at each other so that we kind of know. It all goes to shit if, we're, if we can't see each other. If yeah. we ever do phone interviews, either both of us are talking at the same time or nobody's talking and there's a really long silence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. I, do you guys ever interview people over the phone? Infrequently. We've done it maybe three times. Yes. And we try and when we do that, we try and at least have us together so we can kind of like do visual cues. Yeah. No, I I think it's really difficult to feign chemistry and some people are good at it. But like, yeah, I've struggled with phone. I was I think that that's um, somewhere it's good at a point because you don't have to do it in person. But like there's nothing like in person. It's so much better. Absolutely. Okay, so will you guys just give a rundown of like how you met and uh, started the podcast and like a little bit of what it's about for anybody who doesn't know, because I want them to be sure to listen to it. Yeah. So Grace and I have been friends for eight years. And I know that because that's how long I've lived in New York. Wow. Well, we weren't friends for the whole time. I didn't like you at first. That's also true. (laughs) It was only like a couple months or maybe even just one month. I don't know. Yeah. So I moved I lived in San Francisco and I moved to New York and I'd been working in a startup and it folded and I knew Grace because at my old company I'd worked with her talked to her something we about her blog we had, a, we had a phone call and I had young energy that was like I'm entitled and um there was a job at Bottle Bar that I was interested in and I knew that Grace worked there so I asked her if she could introduce me and she did and I got the job and I started and um, she did not like me. Well, I didn't like her because I thought she was bossy and mean, which the funny thing is now Becca is like when Becca tells the story, she goes, I am bossy and mean. So I'm not calling her bossy and mean. Yeah. But I, I will tell you, it's great being friends with someone who's bossy and mean because they're not bossy and mean to you. They're just to everyone else. I'm not always mean. No, not like to that everyone. Sounds- Becca is like a delight. I should. We're making her sound so terrible. Hello, um, I'm the awful friend. Um, so yeah, but cut to probably after a month of working together, we actually had to be separated. Like we were adults. Grace was in her 30s. I was in my late 20s, and they Thank had to you make for pointing that out. They had. I'm the young friend, young mean friend. Yes, and I'm they. The, had- I'm the old nice friend. I'm just grandma. <laughs> And um, they had to make a new seating chart at this company because we were not allowed to sit next to each other anymore because we were too disruptive. Mm -hmm. When you started becoming friends. Yeah, we were friends at that point. And they were like, oh, no, we liked it better when you weren't friends. Like these two can't sit together because you were just like talk, like chat, have fun. Like you were too loud. Yeah. And we were we're both weird. And we would just crack up at each other's weirdness. I remember just like some days at work laughing. Like I don't laugh enough as as I did when I had a desk job. Like the things that would happen. Like remember baby May? Yes. That's a weird story. We had this doll at work. And then I would do this thing where I found this this sling and I would wear baby May around the office and be like, I'm a working mom. Do you remember when we threw her a birthday party? We threw this doll a birthday party at the office (laughs) and we stopped everything we were doing. I sent somebody who worked for me to Party City to go get a giant Hello Kitty balloon. And then I ordered an ice cream cake. But then also the founder of the company ordered an ice cream cake like this. She had more cakes than anyone ever did at a birthday party. Yeah, this doll had a better birthday party than any employee ever did uh, I yeah. have so many questions but you're going to <laughs> we also had this weird Furby 
we oh that pole dancing cat oh my god i love Andy. that cat yes i had a cat an animatronic cat that like would if you rubbed its belly it would roll roll over we had a lot of weird things you're like the go- go- people that work with all the desk toys yeah mm-hmm. oh yeah <laughs> so anyway we both left that job and i went to lola and grace did her blog full time and we stayed friends and um in January of 2018, Grace asked me, she was thinking about starting a podcast and she was like, would you want to do this together? And it was, I was in that new year, new me mode. And I really thought that I was acquiring a fun new hobby. And I was like, I'm going to say yes to things more. And so I was like, absolutely. <laughs> and I had no idea what I was signing up for. And we started the podcast and more or less here we are. I mean, thank God it was a new year, new you, though. I know, right? I mean, I, I, as anybody does, and I, we talked about this in her episode, too. It's like you, you have your ups and downs, your moments of like, what am I doing? But like now, would you say that was, you know, the right move for you? I mean, I'm definitely glad I did it, but it was definitely a sliding doors moment because I definitely could have just as easily said, no, I'm too busy. Yeah. But I was in a weird place. Like I was. Imagine if you said no and I did it on my own. I guarantee there would be no podcast <laughs> anymore. You might have lost energy for it. Yeah. Or, or what if it's called the Stripe Podcast? That would be boring. I'd listen. <laughs> I think you're entertaining. You're too hard on yourself. I think it, people think solo is harder than it is. Oh, solo looks so hard. Also, there's more motivation when there's another person. I feel beholden that I like yeah, I have can't to do down. it. Yeah. The accountability factor for sure. Like even if I'm having a busy day. Yeah. Yeah. No. And yeah, I trust me. I like half the time podcasting at 3 a.m. Because like I, I can't even hold myself accountable. But the um, what I love about you guys is like I feel like you have like a really great, strong friendship and business partnership, which is a hard thing to do at once, period. But like even in, you know, as I've gotten into my 30s, I feel like I've had trouble with not trouble with friendships, but like it's really special when you have somebody you're very close to that understands the ins and outs and the operation of your life. And I feel like it's, I love your friendship. You live in the same building. You work together. Well, you compliment each other. Well, and I, and you guys talk a lot about like friendships as an adult, like, what do you think about you? Like what makes it work so well? I mean, some might say we spend too much time together. Would that some person be you? (laughs) (laughs) Not in a bad way. certain level of codependence it's like yeah grace is my platonic life partner we have a bank account together like we're i mean i honestly i'm envious i like i yeah this is like a hot this is a topic i talk about a lot too like you guys talk about this at your live shows that are like adult friends right yeah it's a tricky thing i think that it's just i mean we were we already worked together at bubble bar so it i think a lot of times businesses go wrong when two friends start working together and they don't know each other's tendencies and things like yes we she knows how I am to work with. I know how she is to work with. That's a good point. And I think our skill sets are really complementary. Like things that Becca's good at, I'm not very good at. And then I have my own certain strengths. Mm-hmm. And I think that we, so I think that there's something very nice about being in business with a friend because I think that you also extend them more grace, not grace the person, but mm-hmm. just grace in general. When they're having a bad day, week, yes. whatever. You don't take it personally. You don't take it personally because you care about them versus you're like, hmm, my right. co-founder Tiffany is not pulling her, pulling her side. So I yeah. think that there's something very nice about being in business with somebody who you also love as a person 
that there's some understanding. It's generally been all positive. I think the other thing that I've really appreciated about having doing this with a friend that I think maybe you don't get solo is that there's really weird and wonderful things that happen. Both weird and wonderful is like a composite, but also just individually weird or individually wonderful that nobody would care about. So it's really great to be in it with somebody. Yeah. I mean, imagine it's like marriage where you're like, let's talk about this thing that Tugboat did. But there's like something to have somebody in it with you where you can be like, oh my God, can you believe this just happened? Like in a good way or a bad way versus having to go to another friend. Like I'm thinking about other people I'm friends with and like, I wouldn't bore them because they would be bored by it, but you're fascinated by it or like you're excited about it too. Well, yeah, because it's our yeah, it's business. Our, it's together. our business. But yeah, nobody cares. Like I understand. I like yeah. laugh in my own head about the, how the funny mini triumphs of like an Instagram follow response or like yes. a verification. Like the, yes. these things that like uh, mean nothing to anybody else and would make you sound weird for caring, but actually are small wins you do need over totally. time. Yeah, totally. So I think it's, I like being in it with somebody. Yeah. Yeah. I, I firmly believe um, in business as much as life uh, uh, celebrating however small the moment and enjoying it is important. And it's very hard to do that by yourself and not be like, this is stupid. And not that you need to like have a party, but just be like, this is awesome. And like, it's validating when somebody else feels the same way and you have your moment move on. It is. I don't think either of us are good at that though. I feel like we're both hard on ourselves. I mean, for the fact that we do have different skill sets, we've kind of divided up how we run our business and like who's in charge of what. Mm -hmm. I feel like we both, have you taken the Enneagram? Yeah. Okay. So, oh yeah, I know you're a three wing four, four Four wing wing three three. and I'm a three wing four. Whoa. Does that mean we're opposite? No. No. Interesting. Interesting. It means that we're just like slightly different sides of the same coin. Like we're both a nickel, but I'm heads and your tails, but like an eight is a quarter. Well, it's funny because <laughs> I don't know um, why that's where I went. That's an interesting metaphor. And I like, uh, and again, I mean this nicely. Like I, like I'm very easily intimidated by people. I get along very well with you in person. And I was worried you would not like me. Can I tell you something that will not make me popular on your podcast? Oh, <laughs> I feel like I should have said you this like on- me better in person than on my podcast. No, I feel like I should have said this on my podcast when we interviewed you yeah. and not on your podcast. Yeah. But um, so the way that we met Kate is Kate emailed us because we were both suggested for each other on the on Apple podcast where it was like, you might also like. Yeah. And Kate emailed Grace and I and was like, hey, I have this podcast and we're both recommended for each other and like we should do something together. And um, we got the email and Grace is like, Grace is a very positive person. I am harder to win over than Grace's. Yeah, yeah. Like Grace is just like actually not I feel always, like not always. I feel like Grace is really excited about people at the beginning and then she'll like lose sa- interest. <laughs> no. Not lose interest or no, sour I'm like that terrible or sa- guy. sour on them. Versus I'm oh. hard hard to win over, but like once you win me, I'm yours. Yeah, got it. So she's like, oh like what do you think of this girl? And I listened to one of your podcast and it was a Taylor Swift episode and I don't know that much about Taylor yeah. Swift so like, well, and you were talking yeah. to, to yourself and I was like I think this woman is short a few marbles and I was like <laughs> I do not know about this but then we met you in person and I like loved you in person and it all kind of clicked for me who yeah. you are and yeah. I think it was that I didn't give the episode enough time I yeah, only listened right. to like three minutes but it really clicked for me in person and yes. I don't think I should be admitting this 
No, I appreciate the honesty. But here we are. Yeah, no, here I, we are. I, I think that, no, I think that that is the thing with podcasts. You, ha- you have a few minutes to grab people and you have to be mindful of that. And that's something I definitely learned over time. But that is why I, um, I think uh, themed episodes are tricky. Mm. Because it, 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 even though your episode might be about one thing, there can often be so much more in there. Yeah. And it turns people off. And I never can decide if it's better because people say niche, niche, whatever works in podcasting. I'd almost argue it doesn't because people that would be interested in the thing aren't approaching it. And if they actually mm-hmm. listen, they'd get into it. Not Taylor Swift. Trust me. Um, I know that those are for a very specific audience. But yeah, no, it's funny. Like, I mean, I think over time, especially as you get to know people, like I don't read. So I love yeah. listening to you guys. I, I think I like to listen to people talk who I like, who I think have interesting things to say. And w- without context, it's impossible to get a good read on somebody. Right. Yeah. I feel like we should all have. I feel like some podcasts have trailers and we don't have one. And I don't think you do either. Mm-hmm. Where like there should be some intro thing where it's like, listen to this and then you'll like me. But instead it's like, hey, do you want to talk about like whatever random thing? Yeah. And it varies on a weekly basis. What I did was I went back and I added an intro to my first episode and then changed the episode type to trailer. Mm. And so I was like, hey, if you're starting here, we've changed a lot, <laughs> you know, to kind of like because if if you're starting, sometimes I like to start from zero and yeah. people do evolve. So anyway, you guys started bad on paper. Like it originally started as kind of a, um, wasn't it more centered on like YA novels? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was called young adulting. We had a whole different name and everything. That's right. Oh yeah. That's a cute title, but wasn't it taken? Mm-hmm. Sure was. Sure was. How long till you figured that out? So we knew, right. So it was a very dramatic thing and I don't want to get too deep into it, but I'll tell you like the broad strokes. So we, picked the name for our podcast the criteria we used was was the website available was the instagram handle available um we didn't check itunes which is probably stupid then we went to upload our podcast and before we did we like searched in the itunes store and we realized that there was already one with the same name but we were like well there's plenty of podcasts that have the same name. Like, for instance, like Jared Freed podcast is called J Train. There's like five J Trains. Yeah, there's um, a couple of you ups. Yeah, yeah, there's a bunch of podcasts that have the same name. So we were like, well, this wouldn't happen if this were not allowed. We didn't really do any research. Then we uploaded the podcast and we were like, look, Apple will just reject it if it's mm-hmm. not kosher. Mm-hmm. So we went into it being like, hey, we'll roll the dice. Apple approved it. And we were like, great, we're golden. Um, and then probably like, I think three months into our podcast, we got a like letter from Apple and they were like, we will take down your podcast because the other podcast had complained. So that was three months in though. Yeah. I didn't realize and that. And at the time it was very upsetting. We were so upset. But in hindsight, like I like our new name. I can't imagine if we were still called Young I Adulting. I love that on paper. Yeah. yeah. We... Yes, we started as young adult books and we did two books a month, which was way too much reading. So like that was the kernel that started the podcast is that we both really liked reading. We both liked lowbrow brain candy type books. And so we were like, cool, we're going to read. We're going to read two books a month and discuss them. And then in between, we had people ask us questions and we would answer them. Mm -hmm. That has very little to do with our current podcast which is yeah, crazy yeah. it's it only really been a year and a half a lot. 
Um, but we realized after the first year that we were like, wow, they're if you're picking like young adult books, we were like, they're not churning out decent ones fast enough for us to do two a month. And we were just like, not super into that aspect. It became clear that we had two different audiences for our podcast. Like some people really loved the books and some people like were listening in spite of the books. Okay. Yeah. And and so coming into 2019, we kind of reformatted the whole thing and we decided to do one book a month and we started bringing on guests. And then instead of doing advice, we started doing one episode a month. That's just us. And we would pick a random topic and just talk about it. Yeah. And so that's where we are now. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. And I, 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 it really is like so crazy how things happen for the better because the, uh, you have a broader title that enables you out of young adult like right I mean you could have moved it to like we're adulting we're young whatever right but I think bad on paper I don't know I I I think it's really clever and I really like it and um that three months in though I thought it was like a pretty immediate that is something that would have really thrown me off (laughs) we were so upset at the time we were so upset like we had branding like we had our logo we had not a lot of Instagram followers but you know we had like some early following and we were like this is the worst thing that could possibly happen. We were so dramatic about it. And I mean, at, at the time it was. I mean, you care. Yeah. Um, and then it's been fine. So you guys at a point kind of also uh, ventured into live shows, which I think is a cool story because I love that. I love like with Caroline's and stuff. I, I love when people, oh I love when people surprise themselves And like you, I don't know. I just thought that was like such a cool story. And like, yeah, since then you've been touring so much, like basically what happened? Like you thought you'd do try one time. We didn't even think we would try. So Caroline sent this email to me and I remember opening it and just being like, what the fuck? And I, I send it to Becca and I'm like, and she was like, do you think they have the wrong podcast? (laughs) And I was like, I don't know, but we have to take this call because we're both ambitious people. And like, it was deeply flattering that they would even have considered having us on stage. So we, we knew we had seen other podcasts do that. We knew that it was, you know, like a three or 400 person venue. Um, We knew that like girls got to eat had had their first live show there. So that was, it was like, we were just like, this seems like, like we are not qualified to do this, but let's talk to them. And they were the girl who um, booked us was so nice. And she was like, honestly, like, why don't we do this on a Monday night? If you can get 60 people there, we'll be psyched. And we were both like, well, we each have 30 friends, so we can do this. And then um, we just like realized it was something that was fun and that we liked doing. And um, it was a great way to like get to connect with some of our local audience. And then, you know, going city to city, it's really great getting to meet people who live in those cities. Yeah. Yeah. What did you learn like about, have you evolved the content since the first couple? Somewhat. We actually hit it pretty close the first time. Yeah. That's awesome. Which is good. I think, I think we have gotten better at the presentation. Like our timing has gotten better. Mm -hmm. Like, to be honest, we reuse material in different cities. Like if we ever go back to a city, we change it, but we've only repeated in two cities. So you know, we kind of get to finesse the same. Yeah. I mean, think about stand up comedy. Mm-hmm. Like, what a lot yeah. of people do. Yeah. Um, so I think we've gotten better at it and we've definitely changed small things. And we have uh, a lot of it's guest driven. Yeah. So we have different guests in every city. And so that just automatically changes the content. Okay. But we hit it pretty close. Yeah. 
I think it was interesting because we were talking to Ashley and Raina and they were like, you need more of just you, which was overwhelming to me because, and I think it could be interesting for down the road to try like a show with just us, maybe like a small show or something. But, um, I just never think that like I'm interesting in it. Like it was like, why, like we, you know, I picked a co-host to do a podcast with, like, I'm like, are we interesting enough to carry a show for two, an hour mm-hmm. or two? No, and you are. And like, I think that's such an interesting thing. You almost have to like meditate on and accept yeah. Um, that. Yeah. If nobody is being forced there, not only are they there, they paid money and it's not because of your, like your guests haven't mostly been on your show before. I, so I think it is interesting because it's, yeah, I think it's good to have both like guests and yourself, but I do think that's an interesting evolution with the podcast is like, it's not a product. It's, it's not necessarily like any, it's, it's very much personality based. Like if people write you a bad review, they're kind of insulting you personally. And this is a weird business that is a little personal. It totally is. Yeah. yeah. But on the flip side of it, I think one of the best things about the live show is that when you're podcasting, generally Grace and I are sitting at this table in our sweatpants. I've not showered today, like looking at each other, having a conversation. And it's really you know that there are people listening to it, but like it doesn't register that like no. you're having a conversation that will literally that will then be consumed by thousands of people. So to be able to talk and do the podcast or some extension of it in a room where you can get immediate reactions is so interesting to see what people jive with and to see like what people laugh at. Not that we're a comedy podcast to see like what people hold on to and tell us afterwards they really enjoyed. Like it's, it's kind of a focus group. Oh yeah. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. It's seeing people react to you. I think is really important. I've never seen a single person laugh at any of my jokes for two years, which is funny. Like, right. Yeah. It's like, I didn't, I don't really think about it, but like, yeah, I'm taught you talking to the abyss and you hope for the best. Right. Mm -hmm. And when you know that an episode is popular, maybe somebody pulls out like one, soundbite or something but you don't get like the minute by minute right. reactions like uh, uh, so in um when they test tv pilots there are these theaters in the in the valley yeah yeah where you sit there and there's like a knob basically yeah. and you're like throughout the thing the people who are watching it just like turn it up and down based on like whether they're enjoying it or not enjoying it and they basically then plot it as a graph mm-hmm. oh of like that's the company i worked for Oh, Nielsen. yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And they, so cool. they plot it on a graph against the timeline of the show to be like, OK, these when this person's on screen or these moments in a show or, you know, this whatever people are resonating with and people hate this, this and this. And it's like we know when we have an episode that does really well. But, you know, sometimes you don't really know what it is about it. Yes, I, I think most people that have a podcast are surprised at what really lands. And it's often what you don't really. It, 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 sometimes, you know, but sometimes it's like something. It's kind of like what I love about it is figuring out what resonates with people and like adjusting on the fly, because like I think that there is a ceiling of how interested you can be in yourself. Sure. And yeah. then it, so you kind of need to rely on that feedback. Totally. But there's also things that I would never venture to guess that people are interested in. Like this isn't on the podcast, but on my Instagram, every time I post a photo of, and it's always inadvertent, like it's never the focal point of the photo. My alarm clock, it's from Amazon. It's $17. (laughs) It's like really stupid. I will get like a deluge of, of 
people being like, where's your alarm clock from? Mm. And like, I, I finally, I don't have 10,000 followers. I have like 7,000 followers. So I don't have swipe up links. So finally I like made an Amazon shop. So it was like, here's my Amazon.com slash shop, just my name <laughs> so that people could find it. And I was like, here's the alarm clock. I've done so many alarm clocks. And I'm like, <laughs> I would never get on my phone and be like, you know what everyone wants to hear about today? Yes. My stupid alarm clock. A hundred percent. It's so weird. Like it's like I'm on your Instagram now, like looking for your alarm clock. I don't even know. It's not on there. It's it ends up on stories usually. Okay. I'm gonna pay attention because I'll be like taking a photo of bed wine or I'll be like taking a photo of some a book I'm reading that's on my nightstand. I love bed wine. So bizarre. That's so funny. No, I I think that that is like such an important aspect of like uh, being a little uncomfortable sometimes when you put out an episode, taking a few risks, changing your content. Otherwise, yeah, it's just, it's never, I don't know. I, I think that people just do not think the exact same way you do. And it's so much fun, especially with like the Facebook groups, I think are such great totally. feedback loops to see what sticks and then do more of it. And like, yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like, I mean, you guys have some like super popular episodes. Like, what do you think you guys, like if you were starting, if you wanted to get like a taste of that on paper, like which ones would you listen to? Um, so I think one of definitely my favorite episode and one we've gotten the most positive feedback to is an episode we did this summer called always ask for more money. Yes, and we talked that. about, uh, negotiating your salary and, um, just all things money related. And that is something I'm so proud of. I would say to this day, we get at least a message a week from somebody who tells us that they took the advice in that and asked for a raise and got it. And there's awesome. Nothing that makes me happier. Yeah. I would also recommend listening to, I think it's like a lot of the just us episodes because I think you'll get a feel for like who we are and like what we do. But I love the, um, the personality test episode we did more recently about Enneagrams and love languages and Myers-Briggs. I also think the time management one we did was really good. Yeah. Or just like cherry pick an episode based on yeah. a guest that you jive with or a book that you've read. Yeah. You've had yeah. awesome. You've had There's Eva Chen. You've guests. had Cindy Crawford. I mean, you've had like big, big guests and you've had really great authors too that. It's, it's been a funny evolution because so when we first started doing guests at the beginning of 2019, our first guests were all people we knew in real life. So basically we were like, okay, we want to have guests on because we think that if we have guests on, they'll share about it and people might discover our mm-hmm. podcast through them. And um, I don't know, I would say like the first like three months, maybe were all people we knew. And so one night we'd had some wine and um, we were talking about who we wanted to be guests. And I told Grace that I followed Catherine Gallagher, who was Annika on you, the TV series. Oh, OK. Yeah. Um on Instagram and I really liked her and I was like, we should DM her. And we'd had some drinks and so we were like, yeah, let's do it. So we sent her a DM and immediately we were like, do you want to be in our podcast? And immediately she was like, sure. That's so satisfying. Yeah. And we were like, <laughs> oh, Junk and then with power. Yeah. And then it like, <laughs> and then it clicked and it was like, oh, we can just ask people to come on our podcast and like some of them will. Yes. Yeah. And for a while, nobody said no and everyone wrote back and we were just like, oh, wow, that has not been the case like since then. We've definitely been ignored and what have you. But it it was a crazy revelation to like ask and have someone, a stranger be like, yes. But that's the thing that I tell people is my favorite part of the podcast is that I get to catfish people that I think are interested into being my real life friends. Yeah. Yeah. Where, you know, we're like, oh, I think that this person's really cool. 
let's have them on the podcast. And then not everyone, but I would say a lot of our guests we have become actual friends with. Yeah. Yeah. Like Alyssa, Ashley and Raina. Um, well, a lot of them were already friends. Kate, I feel like Katie is somebody I really admired mm-hmm. and we followed each other and knew each other, but a lot of them, like, it's like, it really like strengthens those, either those internet friendships or you make brand new friends. Well, we yeah. were saying this before we started recording that, you know, it's a very intense way of bonding with somebody because mm-hmm. if I just met Kate at out and we, you know, like went out for drinks, I wouldn't be like, here's two hours worth of deeply probing questions about your personal life. Yeah, I would do that. <laughs> but it's like, it's acceptable on a podcast. Yeah. So you just yeah. like get to know right. someone on a different yeah. level. Wait, I just got a great idea for how I'm going to meet my future husband. I'm going to start another podcast yes. and I'm just going to interview like really hot men and I'm yeah. going to spend two hours with them. And then by the end, like they'll be my husband. Yeah. Uh, that honestly is not a bad idea. Yeah. Sorry. It's I like might have ba- to be a bit like bad on bachelor. Paper. Yeah. Self-selected bachelor podcast of like process of elimination. So that's funny. actually kind of an interesting concept. I know. People I actually ended up dating. That. Yeah. It's like, let's get I don't all think these. I have the balls for that, but it would and be then great. if there was, I think you do. Oh my God. What was that show on MTV where there was the bus next, next? Yes. And um, if Grace could like, first of all, she could like next them, but then also like they went on the bus and gave their reactions of Grace and then like Grace gave their reactions of, of them. Oh yeah. I would absolutely listen to that podcast. Because long form conversation, I don't know, I think podcasts are like magic because I love long form conversation. I love how deep people will go because even though it's going to reach a lot of people, you really, like we said, don't realize it in real time. Mm-hmm. And some, I think some of the, I don't know, I've, I learn a ton from listening to people talk about like, Lord knows what, but I just think sometimes people don't even know how they feel until they hear themselves say it out loud. And very few people in regular life are interviewed. Totally. And I also think that it takes, and I think there are a few people who do have this level of media training, but I think it is very hard to put up a front for two hours. Yes. If you're on a podcast being interviewed, you're kind of just how you are. Yeah. Yeah. You can't really fake it. Right. It doesn't work. Yeah. I've had a couple run-ins with people I feel like were a little polished and which is fine. But I just think as people, we don't have a lot to lose by opening up. And like, I feel like I've done the same thing. I'm amazed when people say yes. I think, you know, you can spend a long time trying to get on other people's stuff. But at the end of the day, the way better strategy is bringing people into yours, developing real relationships and then like seeing where it goes. Because I think that like I get a lot of like and I used to send them too. like, I don't know if you guys get a lot of like blind pitch. Oh, my God. So many. Mm -hmm. And it is interesting um, being on the other side of that because like I totally get the motivation. um, but it is like, you obviously don't listen to this. Like, you know what I mean? It's like a generic mm-hmm. thing. And it's like, but if somebody sent me a sincere email about like why and what or whatever, right. it would be great. But there's, and maybe you can relate to this because of your type four Enneagram, but there's something about me that is contrarian that by them asking, I automatically don't want them. I, I think that's human nature, actually. No, I'm not that type. And I agree. <laughs> I feel bad, but it, it's just like. It feels presumptuous to just reach out to someone and be like, I don't know. I would never do it. I would never be like, hey, Kate, like, I think I'd be a great guest on your podcast. Yeah, I've definitely done it because people gave me that advice. Yeah. Like, you need to hustle. Just put yourself out there. Just like reach out, reach out, reach out. And like someone will bite. But it isn't me. And I got to a point where I was like, I don't, I find this off-putting. Yeah. Do do I want it to represent my brand this way? So there is a balance of like the hustle and like 
outreach works for some, if you, especially if you have guests every episode, neither of us have guests every single episode. Um, but yeah, I do think it's kind of funny what works and what doesn't and like who you kind of keep in touch with afterwards. It isn't mm-hmm. to the point of making adult friends. Like it's kind of nice yeah, to develop the network, but um, it's okay with books and stuff. Like you guys, um, a lot of people ask like, how do you read? <laughs> like, like, how do you what make, do you mean? How do I like, read? how do you make time for it? How do you make it a habit? Do you like, like it that much? Does it become a drain when it's part of your job? Like, because mm. I don't, mm. honestly, I, I don't really read very much. I read a ton on the internet, but I don't sit down and read books hardly mm-hmm. ever unless it's a memoir. So I think reading is just like for both of us, it's such a hobby and such a love. I do think when you're reading for work, that can get a little bit draining. So I think it's important to have a balance. Like I just read, this is going to mean nothing to you, but I just read City of Girls. And I actually do love Liz Gilbert. Okay. So it was so buzzy like months ago. And so I knew as I was reading it that I was reading purely for pleasure. It was not going to be something that I really had to write a nice review for my blog on. It was not going to be something that was a potential podcast book. So I didn't have to read it really critically. I was just reading it because it was like a book that I really wanted to read. Yeah. What is like, did you guys just for people that are readers have like a standout, like each of you have a standout book over the past year that you reviewed on the podcast that you like love, loved. I feel like there's this one book I've heard you guys talk about a lot. And then my friend that I told to listen to your podcast was like, Oh my God, I read that book. They recommended it. It changed my life. And I have no idea what it is. Was it the idea of you? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's Becca's. I'll let Becca talk about that. Cause she found it. Should I give you, can I give you a highbrow one and a lowbrow one? Please. I love okay. that. Because I feel we always, I talk about this book a lot and I feel like I'm always that asshole that I talk about it after somebody talks about like a great work of literary fiction. And I'm like, let me tell you about this book. Okay, so basically the pitch is um, a divorced 40-year-old mom takes her tween daughter to what is a thinly veiled One Direction concert and then has a very torrid affair with thinly veiled Harry Styles. <gasps> what? Yep. That is, I would love to read that. It's great. It is, <laughs> I, I will tell you it is the most addictive book of all time. It's wonderful. I was such a holdout and I loved it. Is this the idea of you? Yep. Oh, it's great. It's it's a romance. It's very smutty. It also is incredibly well written. Yeah, it's well written smut. Yep. Does uh, is it so wait, you said it, it, it is this considered lowbrow? Yes. OK, because it's a, it's like a sexy romance. Is the author been on your podcast? Yes. Okay. I was, did you kind of, what, do you found this book? It wasn't like a, an, a bestseller. It was recommended to me. So the book is from 2017 and Ashley Spivey, who love her. Yeah. Is a great Instagram follow came on our podcast in February and she recommended it. I don't, in some context. And that night we had finished recording and I went home and I was like, Oh, I'm still kind of like up. I'll, I'm going to try this book. I did not go to bed till 4 a.m. I like mainlined this book. I read it probably in 18 hours of time where it was like the only thing I did in between was maybe sleep for six hours. Then I was like, got to get back to my book. It's that's so, like a magical place to be, actually, that I really do enjoy. Oh, it's so addictive. It's so good. I'm sold. I thank you for saying that because it's funny. I don't know why I never really picked up on that, but I think that like. Sometimes you need it broken down in a way that like, cause when I start the story, it, it's, it's just, it just takes me a while to figure out if I'm into it or not. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like listening to a podcast, 
but I will probably read that. <laughs> I want to, I want minute by minute reactions. Mm-hmm. There's no such thing as too many texts. Just keep we'll me set posted. up a group text. It sounds like something my audience like would really like to like the pop culture, like boy band. People. So good. Oh, I'm I so never had a thing for Harry Styles. Like I thought of him as too young for me. Yeah. And, um, had, you know, I knew a couple of One Direction songs from the radio. No, I wasn't of- a fan. My search history after I finished <laughs> reading that book, it was like Harry Styles interviews, Harry Styles shirtless, Harry Styles girlfriend, Harry Styles boyfriend. <laughs> like it was like, like the amount of incognito tabs I am opening. <laughs> unprecedented. Even, even incognito. <laughs> That's hilarious. Out there. That's hilarious. And I'm sold. What's your highbrow? Um, now I've oversold. I don't know that this is highbrow, but like medium brow. It's not like, yeah. And that's Harry Styles shirtless. Grace is showing me photos. He doesn't do it for me, guys, but maybe I'll, I'll, t- I'll, that t- photo I'll tell doesn't you do it for me, but it's not really my type. My More neither. Harry Styles for me. Um, my higher brow one is a book that I think has gotten way too little hype. It's this book called A Sky Painted Gold by Laura Wood. And it is this like really beautiful book. It's about a um, teenage girl. It's set in the 1920s in Cornwall in England. And um, she's very sheltered and she just turns 18. And um, in the summer in this town that she lives in, these two, this brother and sister come to town and they have a beach house there. And she starts basically like, sneaking into their parties and it's very Gatsby-esque like it's Mm. very like beautiful and decadent and wonderful um and it's just one of the most like beautiful I don't know like there's something about the quality of the writing and the story that's just so wonderful and this it makes me so angry because I don't know right now but as of like a few months ago this book had seven reviews on Amazon and so I'm out here to recommend it I appreciate you supporting um, authors that need their books to get out there as one. (laughs) I think it's important. It's my number one. This year, it's been my number one book that I gift to people. Like I just, I keep sending it to people. Like I just buy it and I mail it to people. I love that. Great Um, wreck. Yeah. So that's mine. What's, what are yours, Grace? Highbrow, lowbrow. Um, Okay. Lowbrow would be, I don't, would you say Verity is lowbrow? Definitely. Like anything about. If you're going to treat yourself to a murder, yeah. it's it's going to be low. So Verity is one of our book club picks. So read it and then go listen to that episode. But it um it's a murdery thriller and it's so dark and it's so good. And there is a twist. And I, I it was one of those books that just left me thinking about it for like weeks yeah. afterwards. I had to I had to go have like a lot of wine afterwards. Like I remember I was talking to my friend. I was like, I need to get out of the house. I just read this book. I'm I'm traumatized. I would say that, and you're then, like, it was great. It was great. I, well, my are you looking my, to be traumatized? Yeah. My new slope. My, my slogan is yourself. treat yourself to a murder. Like that's hilarious. So my highbrow one would be "Save Me the Plums" by Ruth Reichel, and I really need to make time to re- again. Speaking of like reading for pleasure, like doesn't never going to talk about it on the podcast. Never going to be like a workbook. I want to read all of her books because that book I loved it so much it's her memoir of her years as glamour's editor-in-chief gourmet magazines oh my god it's her memoir of her years as gourmet as editor-in-chief 
And I love food and I love magazines. Like I always like thought, like I always wished that I could work for a magazine back when I was much younger. And I've always loved food. I grew up in a restaurant. My dad's a chef. So and I loved like the insider look at like behind the scenes and all the restaurants mm-hmm. and all the chefs she got to meet and hang out with. So I just love this book so much. And it's also really well written. She's a fantastic writer. She's one of my dream guests for the podcast. I just, I think she's brilliant. That's awesome. I haven't heard of that one either. I'm out of the book loop. I think this is There's actually a lot really of helpful. books too. I well, like, I know a lot of people listen to your podcast, but I think like people that aren't readers, like from a, I don't even need a group of recommendations. Like you guys kind of sold me on like those individual ones. Like if, yeah. if you read a lot and those are like your good, good books, I but, think that's so interesting. But people also come on our podcast all the time and suggest books and there are things Becca and I have never heard of. There's just so many books out there to read. I like nonfiction, which is not popular, but that's like kind of for some reason I have trouble getting lost in fiction. Read Save Me the Plums. Okay. Best nonfiction I've read in a while. Oh, you know what else you need to read is the Modern Love book. I have read that book. Okay. Yes. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. I, th- like I actually do read, but they're just not, sl- they're usually not books that like, like the last book that made me the idea of you is a book by Dr. Brian Weiss called Many Lives, Many Masters. That's about past life. It's actual case. It's written in the 80s about actual cases of past life regression and scientific proof of um, afterlife and near death experiences. Literally didn't sleep for days. Had to finish it. Wow. Yeah. So like that's the kind of stuff that enamors me because okay. I feel um, I have uh, I feel guilty if I'm spending time doing something and I'm not kind of learning. Not that you're not learning oh. from books. Mm. I have trouble zoning out or like really just indulging. And I know that's weird because I like pop culture, but I have more control of like the content. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I so the way that I justify this to myself, not that it needs justifying is that I don't watch a lot of TV. So I don't yeah. watch any, I watch very few shows. I don't yeah. watch any reality TV, not because I'm above it, because I would be sucked in. And if I watched one Real Housewives, I would watch all of the Real Housewives. Yes, yes. Like, there's no boundaries. So um, I don't mind reading lowbrow books. Or, it's a fun escape. But yeah. I actually have trouble reading nonfiction where I always have the best intentions. I pick it up. I read it a quarter of it in one sitting and then I never pick it back up again. Yeah. Well, I think it's like, you have to be in the mood to like learn or like be into it. Yeah. Like, how do you guys feel about, I mean, I feel like the, the books that are like being consumed like crazy are like kind of like female, like self-helpish books. The girl wash your faces. You are the gents and sharrows of the world. Like, do you guys read those type of books? No, No, I will duck. I'll dip into a self-help book every once in a while, but I haven't read any of those. Um, Honestly, my favorite, like, self-helpy book. Have you read Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert? Favorite, all-time, most important book I've ever read. I agree. I tend to read it once a year. I have not read it this year. Maybe I'm going to bring it on vacation when we go on vacation this week and read it again. It is, like, no matter what problem you're trying to solve, like, that book can solve it. And every stage of your career in life, you pick up different things because different things start to apply to you. And the the way she discusses fear... And uh, risk taking and like creativity for just the hell of it are things I believe wholeheartedly that like not enough people do. And like even I'll snap out of it. And like, yeah, I, I reread it constantly. Yeah, I like. Yeah, I love that book. She's I think she did that. Um, she does nonfiction brilliantly and he, she does fiction brilliantly, too. But I thought that was an interesting like pivot with that. Mm-hmm. Actually, was quite successful. And yeah, more, I'm way more enamored with that than any of the fiction. But um, 
yeah, I think that, uh, I, I, I don't know. There's a balance. I, I, self-help to me, you guys probably know I have a lot of issues that I talk about all the time on this podcast, but <laughs> I think uh, there's a lot of like bullshit self-help and I'd rather get lost in a book that wasn't trying to like pretend that their life situation could be projected on all of womankind. I'm trying to remember <laughs> what the last self-help book I read is. Yeah, it's been a while for me. I One that sticks out is um, I love Dan Harris's books. So what was it called? The one 10% happier, 10% happier. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved that. And I also love his second one, which is meditation for fidgety skeptics. Oh, and I haven't meditated in like a year. I'm going to start that up again in the new year, but it really helps me when I was doing it. I've never um, heard of that book, but that is what I am. A skeptic, a fidgety skeptic. Yeah. Maybe you should check it he out. He wrote that book just for you and you haven't even read it. Well, it's yeah. when Greg and I went to like the like mandatory pre-cana cause we got married in the Catholic church. Um, they, they gave you a list of adjectives and made us circle the ones that our spouse represented our spouse. So we knew what the other thought of the other. And my husband, um, circled fidgety six times. And like, like he was just like, it was funny. Cause all the other ones were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fidgety. And I, that was something I didn't know about myself. And that's you kind of the point actually, of the exercise. When, because when we recorded, now you have your laptop in front of you, but when we recorded for um, our podcast, Kate, Kate kept whacking the table and I kept like pushing her hands aside, like yeah. put your hands down. Because I talk with, I focus with my hands and yeah. like, that's how I like thread thoughts together. And I, yeah, I have a big sitting still problem. So funny. Bitchy um, skeptics, I'm into it. So, okay. When you guys were like growing up, did you have like, I like my, I actually love, uh, I don't, I'm not going to say young adult, but like I spent my entire childhood reading books. And I think that's why I like to write children's books because like I am like an Amelia Bedelia stan, for example, like mm. Beverly clearly, Cleary, Judy Bloom. Like I love these people and, and they meant a lot to me growing up, but I wasn't allowed to watch much TV. Okay. Um, and I think that like something about those kind of nostalgic books is special too. Do you guys have like token like 90s ones from like whatever age? that you like really loved as a kid or like still ever think about? I, this is probably not the answer you were looking for. However, I loved Goosebumps. And I think about this one Goosebumps book where it basically this, there was a camera that if they took your photo, it would steal your soul. <gasps> yes. Sorry. Uh, I, 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 no. <laughs> I was like, I just like, did I wake somebody? No. Yes. That one scared the crap out it of me. It scared the crap out of me. But to this day, I think of it most times somebody takes a picture of me. Don't know why. Totally. My mind just goes there. That is how I feel about the woman with the green ribbon around her neck. And that's scary stories and other tales. And they untied the ribbon and her head fell off. Oh, I remember that one. Yes. I don't. hell. But- Yes. When, I, when I see chokers, I think of that. And mm-hmm. I think that's what's funny mm-hmm. about these like super sensory characters. Uh, yeah, that is was scary. R.L. Stein is, I mean. I loved R.L. Stein as a kid. I like, as, I guess it was, I was more than a kid. I was like in high school or like middle school. I don't know. Yeah, it's probably late elementary middles yeah. when the target ages, I think. Yeah. You, I was, I'm older than you guys though. So you guys were reading Goosebumps and I was reading the older R.L. Stein books mm. before that. Did he have another series? It was just R.L. Stein. It was like. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And then Goosebumps was like for the younger kids. It was like yeah, less. I feel like I was in probably like oh, fourth grade. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah, that's same. what my sister was reading. Yeah. Were you guys big uh, like babysitters clubs? Yes. yes. Absolutely. I feel like I liked the little sisters club. Yeah. More. And then when I 
so I liked Little Sisters Club when I was I don't even know what that is younger it's like the younger version of the Baby Stars oh, Club like the bitty babies <laughs> and then I so like the yeah and then when I was like old enough to read Baby Sitter's Club I liked Sweet Valley High instead but we recently had a very terrifying experience mm-hmm. so we are guests on a podcast and it's a nostalgia books podcast it's called SSR which stands for shit she reads it's a really cute podcast really great and um each episode, they reread a book from some like nostalgic yeah, period yeah. and talk about it. And so the book we read was the first Sweet Valley High book. Kate, it does not hold up. Oh, my God. It's so bad. No, it's so sexist. It's so bad. <sighs> there's so there's body shaming. The the boys like Becca had a really great quote. What did you say? It was like. Every, the men are either serial yeah. killers or no, like every man in that book is either a football player or a rapist. There is like no one in between. Yeah. Wow. And That's like alarming. Both or of a the, dweeb. Or dweeb. Winston, I, I, yeah. I love the word both dweeb. Of, both of the girls are like super terrible. Like I remember growing up, like everyone either was like a Jessica or what was the other one? Elizabeth. Name? Elizabeth or Jessica. And like rereading the books, I was like, oh, my God, don't aspire to be either of them. Mm-hmm. That Those books were a little bit more mature than Babysitter's Club. They were. And I liked that because they were like it was about yes, boys. Scandal. Yes. Yeah. Versus exactly. Babysitter's was about like friendship and babysitting and like not. I actually careers, totally small businesses, yeah. softball games. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I feel like. Uh, yeah. I, the Sweet Valley High, I feel like my mom even like maybe I was like maybe restricted from them. Mm. But now that makes sense. Did you watch or watch? Did you read um, the sloppy firsts books? No. Oh, because I feel like you and I. How old are you? I'm 32. OK, I'm 33. And I feel like the sloppy first books were also very formative to me in like late middle school, early high school. And it was like sloppy first, second helpings, blah, blah, blah. But it was like, I remember second helpings, but not sloppy first. Oh, it was, it, it <laughs> was a book about this girl. I can't remember her name. And she was in high school and it was like, you know, she had her first crush and yeah. it was, but it was like, it didn't feel like it, you know, how some books like they belittle you. Yeah. Even as a high schooler, we were like, I'm not a baby. I know. <laughs> yes. And I felt like this was like, it felt very real to me in that like, Jane magazine way where it was like I oh, see yeah. you and um, but it was like it was for teens and I loved that series and I'm half tempted to reread it but half terrified to reread it because it would be so crushing to me if it didn't hold up I mean this is a life conundrum and why I really uh, resent re- reboots that as a culture all we're doing is rebooting mm-hmm. things and also, I feel this way about um, watching video back of special moments that I want to remember in my head and I don't need to see how they looked. Mm. Like if somebody films you singing karaoke, that moment's ruined. Can I? You don't need to see it. Can I tell you what is a great thing that I love to look back on being bad? What? Go watch music videos from the early 2000s. Oh, I love. Yeah. Like what's an example of one that? Um, so the Bewitched video, the C'est La Vie yeah, video, yeah, yeah. Um, it's just like four women that all look like Monica Geller, Irish dancing and tying up a man in pleat front khakis to a tree. I mean, w- w- <laughs> if that isn't hijinks, I don't know what it is. <laughs> have no idea. <laughs> no, I think I agree. Those are the best kinds, but it's not even like, yeah, like toxic came out around that. We get it. You're a stewardess. 
it's the obscure ones that are oh, like yeah. or the like best. Samantha Mumba. What Gotta was Tell You. No, the other one. I thought she only had one song no, called Gotta Tell You. Samantha Mumba has don't another. I want to love you if you don't love me. That's the one oh, I was Oh, yeah, I know of. that don't one. I want to need you if you don't need me to. Ah, oh, the internet won't connect fast enough. That's so funny. I love Samantha. I love those uh, weird Disney stars like Myra, who sang uh, Miracles Happen from Princess Diaries. I love our, like, Supergirl. Oh, I was thinking of Baby Come On Over. Is that, who sings that? Samantha Mumba. That's so interesting. We can cut this out, but you do know it. And I just need you to know that you know it. Baby Come On Tonight, we can make it up. I remember But look this. how dated this video is. Hey, look at that font. It's like Lucita handwriting. Oh my God, I love this song and I love that belt and thank you. I <laughs> I really forgot she had a second song. Yeah. Wow, 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 wow. Thank you for that, Becca. I will put that on my live show playlist. These are the, these are the songs I need in my life. <laughs> I love like I love songs that do that. What just happened to me? Like there is, I very rarely completely forget about something. I feel like there's a meme about it. I don't think this is an original thought, but it was like I could win a Nobel Prize if I could just purge my brain of all of the so- lyrics to songs that I will never hear mm-hmm. again that are just there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Were you um, like, I was just asking Grace if she like, there's anything like pop culturally that like is kind of signature to your youth. And you obviously like read a lot, but you were saying like you did crafts, you like played outside, you dressed up. Yeah, we did a lot of um, creative pursuits. My mom always had craft projects for us. I took painting lessons. I was really into all those books by Klutz. Remember Klutz Press? Like there was a Fimo book and there was a braids book and there were all these different like books to learn how to do something. And I had them all. There was a yo-yo book. I was really into that. I did watch like a little bit of TV. I love Saved by the Bell. Yes. I watched um, 90210. We would watch that with our au pair. And <laughs> then it was found out that we were watching this illicit show and my parents weren't super thrilled about that. But then they ended up liking it. So that's um, so funny. That I'm trying to think like. We read a lot and we definitely um, did a lot of craft projects. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's like kind of the wholesome way to be. And like my, I wasn't really allowed to watch that much TV and most of what I consumed was secret. And I think that's why I'm obsessed with pop culture because I wasn't yeah. really allowed to consume a lot of it. Yeah. Did you guys, you definitely probably weren't then. Did you get those boy magazines? Did you get like Tiger Beat or like J14? Oh, yeah. Honest. Yeah. I was going to bring that up. My 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 strongest relationship with books is going to bookstores, getting a Frappuccino, parking myself in the like faux Starbucks and reading magazines I wasn't allowed to take home mm. about. And they were like Q&A's from like, you know, 14 year olds. And they were all the same. And it was like, what is this discharge? It's like I was oh, like, yeah. oh, juicy. Yeah. Sorry, really bad adjective. <laughs> <laughs> no, I remember like, I used to love those. Like it was like playboy but for teen girls oh yeah Mm -hmm. exactly and i um so i wasn't allowed to hang things on my wall with like tape or thumbtacks because i don't know we'd gotten it like professionally painted or something but i had a walk-in closet and my mom was like you can hang pictures in the closet so i had this really weird like teen boy shrine in my closet and it was like i was really into leonardo dicaprio i was really into Ryder strong Ryder Strong, <laughs> who is not aged well, by the way. 
Yeah, and no, oh, um, he is uh, uh, Boy Meets World. Andrew, yeah, Andrew Keegan. Um, who else? Uh, who, JTT Devin Sawa. No, Devin Sawa. Yes, JTT. No, interesting. Um, I don't remember, but I had this like weird boy shrine in my. Yeah. In my closet. But isn't it funny that that's kind of like what was normalized? It's like, yeah, I'm a young teen. I'm boy crazy, obviously. It was kind of like, yeah, but I, feel, I don't know how much of it was me and how much of it was, was pushed on me. And But I wonder what adults thought of that. Like, what was my mom thinking? Was she like, right? this is weird. Uh, I'd also add, backtrack to say, um, did they really care about the paint or did they just really not want that hideous wall decor happening? No, because I wasn't allowed to hang anything. <laughs> yeah. Because, you I, know, like posters were a right. big deal. And stick t- sticky tack, that blue stuff was mm-hmm. hot then. It left an oil stain. Yeah. Yeah. It was a big problem. So I wasn't allowed to, to hang anything. Well, you said did you, you were, have any art in your bedroom? Yeah, but it was like framed hung art. Okay. So at least you had something. Not of my choosing. I was just thinking, oh, okay. We could do whatever we wanted. We hung all sorts of things. Like there was, I clipped things. I made collages. Everything was on my walls. My parents were probably. That's like fun though. Yeah, it was fun. We were very, we were encouraged to be very creative. We were also very sheltered. I never would have had pictures of boys on my wall. Like it was like all like collages of pictures of my friends and I that I like cut out with an exacto knife and made like weird fake art from that's so cute though <laughs> that's much more pure and it is cute. it was very pure i had i mean i was the oldest of three girls and like yeah growing up in a very sheltered town on cape cod oh yeah you're from cape cod i yeah. forgot about that because your parents live in charleston now yeah oh two great coastal towns i know east coast i like ride out. or die um did you guys like in you said you wanted to like work in magazines, but did you read like decor, or like lifestyle, tasteful magazines or did you get into like the dirty teen ones, too? Oh, yeah. I, I had subscriptions to teen. I wasn't allowed to have YM, but my friends all had YM. <laughs> YM was dirty. Yeah. YM was like the juicy one with like all the like discharge. Like, yeah. That, and like sex talk. It was a lot of like um, Cosmo Girl. Mm-hmm. It was that about, wasn't around when I was your, mm, that age. I don't think I had Cosmo Girl either. I don't, I, but I, YM was like mostly French kissing content. Mm-hmm. They didn't go to like gross stuff cause it was about no. minors, but like I, I, like I was a late bloomer for sure. And I, that's the only way I really like understood how stuff worked. Cause I didn't want to admit like I hadn't done anything. Yeah. Well also the, do you remember trauma Rama? It was the, it was in either YM or 17 and it was the embarrassing stories oh, right in. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, you're like blowing my mind. These are things I've not thought of in a long time. Yes, I remember trauma. Well, so I remember so this funny. because so in my intro, you mentioned. So I used to be the head of marketing at Lola. And um, I feel like in the last five years, periods have become less stigmatized. But um, every th- there are five stories about periods. So like I have done a lot of focus groups about them and, and things like that. And it's like there are five stories they're not original, but everyone is like, oh, my God, I have such an embarrassing story. And they're all the stories from Traumarama. Like, it's like I wore white pants and I bled in them. And like, yes. And sorry. that happened to me. I feel like that was the hardest. That was like such a funny thing in high school. If somebody had their jacket around their waist, we all knew what happened. Nobody was doing that like for fun. Oh, my God. Totally. When I went I went visiting um, when I was in college when I was in college and like to go look at schools and things. And I hadn't, I was a late bloomer. I didn't have my period for very long. I was a junior and I got it really bad and it bled through my jeans into like this dorm room girl, the seat. And I was on this visit and I didn't know anyone very well at all. And then I had to explain what happened. It was mortifying. It is funny. 
I think about this because like she said, it has been destigmatized a little, but like, it's still like very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And that happens like so many times when I was younger and like, there's just nothing you can do to really make it better. It's just like you, (laughs) I I think the magazine ones are always about like around boys, which is like also worse because it's like, yeah, boys really did make you feel gross though. Yeah, they did. When you had to read books for school, like, did you actually read them? Like, or were you Cliff's Notes, Spark Notes? Oh, I read them. You did? Yeah. Did, do you have like a classic that I you do actually remember, liked? I actually do remember one, the one time I got Cliff Notes in high school, because I always was such a goody two shoes and a huge reader, was for Ernest Hemingway's The Sun Also Rises. Mm-hmm. And I just remember reading it and being like, I am so bored. I am so bored. I am so bored. So I remember I got the Cliff's Notes and I didn't tell my parents, like, I, must have gone out and bought them somewhere. And I just had like all of this guilt for like, essentially in my Trace. mind, I was like cheating, but it wasn't really cheating. It's reading summaries. It's weird that I still remember that now. Yeah. That's actually really funny. Um, yeah. No, I, I think that uh, there's just like different types of people, right? Like I, I think that, doing less work. I like, I think doing less work for a greater output is like efficiency. Yeah, totally. But we're, when you're in high school, then you're like, I'm cheating. I I guess I should have seen it that way, but I honestly never finished a book in high school. Oh my God. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I've finished every book except that one. I didn't have time to do it. I felt like, um, yeah, I was like playing volleyball and stuff and I was like, I can't be bothered. Aldous Huxley, get out of my way. But I remember like some of them were fine. I like, you know, the like, great Gatsby catcher in the ride, but um, heart of darkness. I was like, this is just bumming me out. Why am I here? Yeah. Why are we doing this? I think that some of that um, curriculum needs to be revisited with more modern books. But Greg and I often talk about like rereading the classics to see if it means something more to us as an adult. Like you're never sitting around being like, I'm going to read, you know, Fahrenheit, you know, like, yeah, I'm going to read Grapes of Wrath. <laughs> grapes of Wrath. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> of, of mice I feel and like men. reading. Yeah. Of Mice and Men. It's just they, they my memory of them is that they're horrible. And I just don't know why everybody reads the same books and yeah. nobody wants to be. But I guess my question was, did you actually like them? I did. I liked a lot of them. But like I was I just was like a nerd. I mean, but I think like I think that nerd. I don't know. That's kind of what I was, you guys asked me earlier. Like, what would I tell myself in my youth? Um, I was very nerdy in my own ways. Like I wrote poems in the dark. I was very brooding and like melancholic and like had my own issues, but like it, it wasn't, I think that those are like the things that make you like ultimately cool later or like, yeah, that, absolutely. That, that really, I don't know, behoove you, I guess later in life. But I like, did you, are you calling yourself that or did people make you feel nerdy? Both. both. Okay. Yeah. Cause they're kind of. Yeah. But I would, when I, what I would tell myself as a kid is like lean into that, like being a nerd, like it's great. Oh, you already had that like self-awareness. No, now I would, what I would tell, what yes. I would tell myself now, like that question we asked you. Yeah. Cause it's yeah. kind of like if you were like a bookworm and people kind of, if, if they ever gave you a hard time, it's like kind of the great, a great circular F you to like have a really successful podcast about books. Yeah. Like you still love to read. It's you. Exactly. I think there's something really validating about like a through line like that. I asked Grace if she did, if she actually read the classics in high school, if she did Cliff's Notes or Spark Notes. I read some of them. I didn't read all of them. I mean, I, I never finished I one. I, had and I like still, t- to this day, I don't love <gasps> classics. No. I, I feel like about I should. Them. Yeah. I had to take when I was in college, um, I was in this program and 
basically you had to take a survey of um literature yeah so it was like basically just like cultural literacy from like the greek tragedies to the bible like all the way through contemporary literature yeah and so in in college i've read a bunch of like important works but in high school i never read the me either grace said she did it once and she felt so bad because she was cheating and i was like i never saw it that way but it's so she's like i saw it as maximizing efficiency and not wasting time so I can have a better output. I was like, yeah, I didn't think like that in high school. I mean, I think in early high school, I remember having to read Shakespeare and I would read that, but yeah. like later in high school. Yeah. I think you just realized that, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, yeah, I'm sure something is lost in that process, but there's definite workaround. Um, do you remember a book Your called Sarah Plain so and Tell? Cute. I've heard of it, oh, but I don't. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Obsessed with that book. Um, my mom made me read Sarah Plain and Tell and The Midwife's Apprentice. They were both snooze fest books about frontier women in the late... 17th or like the late 19th century and like she loved this type of book and I just like hated them so much but now I laugh so hard um because like why and I also loved Wayside School is falling oh, I down. remember that that was a good one because then like there was one floor that was missing I do remember that I love I was obsessed with those but those my are my my friend ones. has a daughter who's nine and she's not really into reading and so I've been trying to think of like what to recommend that I loved to give to her and i think this is a little too young but do you remember those books that came with a necklace there was like the ballet slippers one yeah there was the ice skating one i was too old for those but my sisters i remember getting them and wearing the ballet slippers i loved those books do you know what they're called i think it was just called ballet slippers cute i think it was i um that's a weird age for books yeah Cause that, well, that's like the age when I started wanting a little bit juicier content. Like, are you there? God, it's me, Margaret mm-hmm. type stuff. Cause that's about getting a period, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, is that, is that Judy Bloom? Yes. And then Ramona or is Beverly clearly. Yeah. Yes. Um, oh, Ramona Quimby age eight. Yes. Yeah. There are those things that are burned into your brain. Like it's like, I will know stick stickly's address until I die. That's so funny. I don't it? even know what Stick Stickly right is. Right to me, Stick Stickly, P.O. Box 963. I don't think I New read York that. City, New York State, 10108. It wasn't a reading it a TV thing. show? It was the stick figure with googly eyes that hosted Nickelodeon's afternoon programming. Huh. So it's kind of like the, um, the uh, empire today of the 90s. Absolutely. But it was like the thing that really gets me is that in the 90s, you didn't even need to hire a host. It was like, you know who will host this? <laughs> this stick popsicle stick. With googly eyes. That's hilarious. That's a way to save money on talent. Um, that's awesome. Uh, a lot of people ask if you guys were in sororities. I think I already know this, that you weren't. I wasn't. Where'd no. you go to school? I went to Boston College and it's Catholic. They weren't allowed. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. So there's no Greek life. Where'd you go to school? Bentley College. Well, it's now Bentley University in Waltham, Mass. I was in a sorority. You were? Yeah, I was Gamma Phi Beta. Um, pledged my sophomore. I was a transfer student, so it really helped me make friends. Yeah. But yeah, I, I had a great experience. I drank a lot. Kissed a lot of boys. Did you get sent to standards? Um, I think once I like we were being obnoxious and loud and rowdy at a meeting or something. Did you ever get fined for not attending events? Yeah. These are the things that like I think are just like insane as just yeah, that's what like the sorority episodes are about that people 
getting penalized for something that really has no bearing on the rest of your life. Yeah, it's very funny. <laughs> oh, Tyrion's being very cute tonight. Okay, so the questions. Um, one was, can you all three agree on one Holy Grail beauty product? But that would be really hard to decide because we don't have different to hash things. that out for like yeah, hours. That's really hard. That's really Why hard don't we one. all say our yeah. one Holy Grail? Mine are always changing. What's yours? Well, is it makeup or skincare? I'm going to do both. Okay. So skincare would be the Dr. Augustinus Botter face cream. It's amazing. I swear it keeps me young. I've been using it for two years. The best face cream out there. It's expensive, but it's worth every penny. For makeup, I'm a big mascara person. And right now, the mascara I love most is um, Ilya's mascara. It's just great. It makes your lashes long. It's um, like and full and with a little curl and it's clean. It's been really hard for me to find a clean mascara. It's I-L-I-A. Okay. They make some of the best makeup and it's all clean. That's amazing. Yeah. Grace is like, I mean, if anybody doesn't know, it's like go to beauty, skincare, everything. She got me on a retinol. I'm very grateful. Oh, which retinol? Uh, I don't know the brand, but my dermatologist gave it to me. Um, oh, so not just one I recommended on my blog, a, a derm, a derm did it. Yeah. Just, you like, that's what I like about you. You talked me into the concept, the concept, great. Your agenda you isn't even like a brand. Product. Yeah. Yeah. Just start using retinol. It's, yeah. it's so good. Your skin looks amazing by the way. I am actually feeling yeah, self-conscious. I've been, this is like hour 14 of like me She's having gotten day. ready. She's been doing stuff since seven and you guys, it's. And it she's is still human. 10, I'm fine energy recording. wise, but I do. I am a person that really does need to like touch up to feel better. Like mm-hmm. I, I can't just go like, I'm not like a natural beauty in that way. I like wear a lot of shit on my face. Um, and it's unusual for me to like leave the house and never go home. But anyway, um, I am very disloyal as a rule. I would say the thing that I'm the most loyal to is the bioderma micellar water mm-hmm. as like makeup remover. Yeah. Um, I'm not very loyal with moisturizer. Mm-hmm. And I have a very minimalist skincare routine. On the makeup side, um, the NARS Matte Multiple in Anguilla. NARS Matte Multiple? Is that a bronzer? It is a hot pink blush. Oh, because people love orgasm. No. Oh, I love orgasm. But I just found a, the Beauty Counter Nectar is a good clean dupe for that. Oh, really? You love a cream blush. I love, I a, love powder a cream blush. blush. It's I cream blushes. You can pull you. You're, you're not red. Your undertones aren't red. Mm-mm. I think I'm a pink person. Oh. So cream blushes really like make me pink. But I like the texture. I think they're yeah. beautiful on people that can pull oh, them off. I don't like them. I really? just like I like the powder. I feel like I have more control over it. it doesn't last. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't last as long. You're right. What about the. um? Okay, so really quick about Beauty Counter. I did like a crowdsourcing thing about BB creams, uh, like light coverage stuff, and that like swept it. And oh, I've, the Dew Skin? Yeah. It's amazing. But I'm so, I think I'm so MLM averse. I know. What do you use? They're my only MLM I shop. I'm like you. I am, I really like trying new things, and I'm always switching around. Um, but I'm like it cosmetics. CC's I was going to say, I like it cosmetics. standard one for me. Um, but like, I love high end brands. I love cheap brands. Like I'm more, out recently on a Charlotte Tilbury kick. Um, Charlotte Tilbury. Great lip liners, outstanding moisturizer. You need the wonder glow primer. Yes. From Charlotte, Charlotte Tilbury. 
Wait, can I just say something about Beauty Counter and MLMs? Please. Because I'm so anti-MLM. And now I'm like drinking. I'm like, am I going to eat? Am I going to make people, Kate's reader listeners hate me? But um, there is a podcast, the How I Built This podcast. Mm-hmm. They have an interview with the founder of Beauty Counter. And she explains why she chose an MLM structure. And she really, her heart really is in the right place. Yeah. It's not like other MLMs. She just wanted to get the word about clean, safe beauty products out to the general public. Yeah. And the thing about Beauty Counter is you don't have to buy it through a rep. You can buy it through um, their just their website. I have to say, when I saw that, I felt so much better about it because I feel like that eliminates kind of the agenda. Yeah. It's like, I think they're, I get why that's a I successful business I shop their site, model. their website. Like they, they will give me things and they've done sponsored posts on my blog, but I literally buy things off their website all the time. Oh, that's amazing. Okay. Yeah. No. I just really like their products and I have no vested interest in them. Like I just... But you care about clean beauty. I care about clean beauty and I get upset that they get looped in with all the other MLMs just because of that one element of their business. Yeah. And I also get driven nuts. Like on the other side of it, I get crazy when high school friends start selling it and it invades my Facebook. Yeah. So I see both sides, but I am also like just buy their stuff on their on the website and it's really good. I appreciate you saying that. And I will like I think it's just confusing because you just don't understand people's motivations totally. for telling you that. But like I'm saying this not as with literally no vested interest. Right. The products are just good. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I recently started on a new thing that I love and I really actually think has uh, changed my skin a lot. And it's so random and I wouldn't have bought it. In full disclosure, I was sent it. Um, it's First Aid Beauties. It's a cannabis seed oil. You put on your face, it's like a serum. Well, you said you get red, right? Yes. That's so good for calming for, your skin down. Yes. I know nothing about topical application of it. And um, I, yeah, it's like, I'm obsessed with it. And I honestly will buy it again. And um, yeah, I think it's just, I think it's their only cannabis product. And the other thing that I think not, not enough people use are um, lash trios instead of strips. <laughs> oh, the individuals? Oh. Yes, but in sets of three. I They're a lot easier do, to apply. I can't get my own lashes done. The, what do you mean? Oh, you can't put on can't do fake lashes. I think strip lashes don't look great because uh, you have to really do them right. But lash trios give you a pop that um, looks natural and isn't like I'm wearing fake lashes on a Tuesday or whatever. Is like, it easier to apply? Yeah, I, still, I have these on, I think, from yesterday. Yeah. See, it's a trio of three lashes. Oh, my God. And you just pulled it off right Yeah. Now? Like, do they, I mean, they might look fake, you can be honest, but like. I thought maybe you had extensions. Extensions, yeah. Um, but I really like these. They take two seconds to put on, and I put on like one, two, or three when I just want to like have eyes that aren't. I don't know. Anyways, I just don't think enough people use them because you know, like a bad strip lash is bad. Yeah, and you can see it. Huge fan. Okay, well, at least we gave you, you should, some tips. One more CBD product though. You should try the um, Herbivore has the, their Emerald Face Oil, and they they have a version with the CBD in it. And I always take it when we travel for the day after we get our makeup done for our live shows, because my skin is usually like gets so red and upset after having like professional makeup yeah. on it. So I put like a big layer of that on it. It just calms everything right down. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah. CBDs. Yeah. It's, it's definitely yeah, murky industry. with <laughs> What does yes. what? Um, okay. We already talked about how to make reading a habit. Um, this is like a vague question, but I don't know if it's something specific. It says, Becca, what's something you would recommend women in business do to take charge? That is a really vague like, question. Did you, I mean, maybe it's about like the salary episode or something. I think it is. People love that episode. And I love I, guys. They were so I, transparent. They talked about their salaries at different points. They talked like 
that's that's the thing no one's doing in this space is saying like this is how much money i made this is how what i asked for and this is what happened like it's seen as taboo it's scary it was it it was really really scary i think both of us being self-employed and not needing to think about in the near future going to get a job empowered us to be able to say that without yes uh, like fear of that somehow hurting us down the road yeah um sure so that was really scary. But no, I don't think I have a good answer to that question. Okay. I'm just curious. I, I was like, maybe this is about something specific. Um, uh, what is your favorite like uh, book and movie or book or movie trope you see like over and over again? Or, favorite like, theme. Favorite that I like it or favorite that I like to make fun of it? Mm, probably make fun of. Because we were talking about when we uh, we were at drinks with this author duo christina lauren we were talking about what are our favorite like romance tropes and my favorite literally my favorite is um famous famous person not famous person yeah <laughs> like love that um i think one of theirs was secret baby and i was like what secret baby. <laughs> love a secret baby <laughs> i was like oh wow i didn't even know that was an option um but the one to make fun of i feel like in every netflix or like every romance movie um, the woman's always a baker. There's and in books too, like so many of these romantic heroines own bakeries. Always, yes. they all, always have bakeries, and also it's it's not even just in the Netflix things. Like in Jasmine Guillory's book, one of them had a bakery. Yeah, too. it's in it's everywhere. In like it's like novels. What's a career for a woman? Owns a bakery, and it's like oh. Women right. always have um, trades. Men always have vague finance jobs. Mm-hmm. Yes. Women are like bakers, magazine editors, journalists, like it, it, like mm-hmm. it ha- a teacher. But like it, they're never like, oh, I, you know, work in mortgage backed securities. Like no, yeah, no dude never ever like, has a specific job. I'm the breadwinner here. <laughs> yeah. My, Very hallmark. Mine is leaving the big city and going to the country to find love. Like it's like. <laughs> Every one of us, we all just got to break up with our big city boyfriend and move out to a small town and like fall in love with the guy that like never left. And learn the true meaning of Christmas. Yes. Well, you guys are in Hallmark movies. Are you? Not Hallmark specifically, but holiday movies. Cheesy holiday movies. Okay. Yes. Yes. Um, I'm not as into them as Becca, I would say, but I I do enjoy them. I'm quite into them. I have recommendations. They're, (laughs) oh, please tell me. So my, one of my favorite ones from last year two years ago i just watched this weekend have you watched the christmas contract no <laughs> it's um did you watch the one tree hill so stupid yeah it a is little. like a full one tree hill reunion it's oh hillary burton and robert buckley are the two leads and mm-hmm. then skills is in it and um who's the mean cheerleader rachel i think it's and like then, everybody but the actually famous people, Chad, yep. Michael Murray, and Sophia Bush. Nope, they're not in it. And then um, <laughs> who was the singer in it? I don't remember. Tyler. Oh, shit. Oh, oh, yeah. I don't know. Uh, okay. I just watched Hallmark? this movie. It was a Lifetime holiday movie. Okay, funny. And it's actually legitimately good. Yeah. I watched it for the cast, but it's actually like, I think it's a legitimate crowd pleaser that it's a cute movie that isn't like so bad it's good. It's like, oh, this is decent. That's so funny. Do you remember Hillary Burton got her start because she was on MTV's I Want to Be a VJ? Yeah. Blows my mind. Mm-hmm. Think about it all the time. Um, okay, so with Hallmark movies too, I think what's really funny is, um, well, Ashley and I talked a lot about like high school boyfriends and stuff today, but like how that is just the least charming plot line of all time in real life is a person who's never left and who never experienced life and who somehow is still single. It's, it's really bizarre. So I... Well, usually they have a dead wife. True. 
They're always widowed. <laughs> true. They couldn't just like a lot of be still lot single of and fucking and... around. Yeah, that's true. But it's a lot of seasonal work, which yeah. I don't always find attractive. No. <laughs> Would you be amped to go to the local tree lot and pick yourself up? A seasonal worker for a husband. It depends. I mean, does he look like Liam Liam Hemsworth? (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah. Whose cast is him? I just like, yeah. I mean, it's like I love Hallmark and Lifetime and stuff. It's just like almost just comically sexist. And I know they know that. And I know a person who's written for them because I have a lot of ideas for screenplays. Okay. So my dream, and this is not a very good dream because it's not as if I'm a writer by trade or have any background in screenwriting, but, yeah. um, is to write a corny holiday movie. You, uh, you read so much fiction. I bet you could crush that. You should I just do it as a creative, like mental gymnastics. Like I used to, there's nothing more joy inducing and important than doing creative projects that have no audience and no agenda. Cause you'll do it really well. No, but Becca's too competitive. She wants to. Oh, audience. you need and that. She has okay. An agenda. That's true. But we, our, well, we can read it to us. Our friend, um, we were at lunch with a friend a couple weeks ago and she was telling us this story in real life. And I was like, this would make an amazing Christmas movie. Do you think I, I just want to steal her life and write it into a cheesy Christmas movie? There's got to be. I, I think you should try that exercise because, like, it's kind of would be cool that, like, a person who spent their life, you know, be, you know, kind of buried in these fictional stories that you love to get lost and you ultimately like write the ultimate one like that's that's an arc of your own life that i am here to support i don't think it's going to be like oscar winning like i just want doesn't you know something on the hallmark channel with anyone who was once in one tree hill I honestly think that is a, That's an, the bar. A, an attainable goal <laughs> okay so what is uh so people ask if you guys did a like your own individual deep dive episode of like a thing you obsess about and think about or like know a lot about maybe uniquely, like what would they be about? Oh, that's such a good question. That's a great question. I'm as I stall for time, I'm going to tell you about this thing that I've heard about that I'm dying to get friends I know to do called drunk lectures, where basically you have a party and everyone is drinking and then you have to, um, you have to make a PowerPoint of basically this, like a topic that you have uh, like a special Mm -hmm. uh, knowledge about and present it. Um, And so you make the PowerPoint and then present it as you progressively drink. I talk about this actually a lot. Um, I'm obsessed with this idea. And underneath this question, I said, AK, if you had to give a 10 minute PowerPoint on something you uniquely know a lot about that nobody else knows, what would it be? Because I think this, I think you're not like it, living is having this type of niche specialty that has no purpose. Right. I love this type of thing. But I think it's funnier if you are progressively drunker yeah. as you go. Yeah. Did you listen to this podcast? It's not really publishing anymore, but I feel like you would really like it called The Great Debates. Yeah. BJ Novak and John Mayers was outstanding. I like, well, I mean, they're fine, but the other people on it, they're so, it's so funny where like, there's so much niche knowledge in there. There is. I, the, my entry point is usually celebrities to things. So Mm -hmm. I probably would only listen to the celebrity episodes, but agree. I love that. What would yours be? I'm still stalling. Oh, Annie, like you don't have to answer. I know it's like kind of a, a difficult question. I want to. I, I just am trying to think of what it would be. I don't know what mine would be. I think it would be skincare. I just could talk about skincare for like literally like 
all day. And I honestly think people think people know a lot about skincare, but I actually know legit nothing. I don't absorb it. I'm, I've like really like every time I do a post about a product, I spend so much time researching the ingredients. I yeah. think I'd like, and especially as I get drunker, I would probably be mixing them all up. But like, <laughs> I would love to just give a long talk about skincare. Or like Tyrion's like body language. Oh, I feel like. talk about Tyrion forever. <laughs> or like all of the different thrillers and like why every woman's book is has like wife or lady and lady or the woman or the girls. Yes. In it. Like, yeah. How to write the, the perfect, um, twisty thriller. Yes. <laughs> how to write the next gone girl knockoff, which is like, everyone's like, when are you going to write one? I'm like, I don't, I don't have that in me. You don't I, think I so? can analyze them, but no. It's kind of like, a, yeah, it's a kind of like a, yeah, the, like a pop culture thesis or like a yeah. your personal interest thesis, thesis. It's a hard question. I mind changes all the time. I Mine would probably be about the movie Mermaids with Cher. Mm, yeah. So as a child, I rented two movies, like alternating every weekend. And it was the air up there with Michael J. Fox. Mm-hmm. And mermaids with share. I've seen that movie hundreds of times. I, that's a, I think it's so funny what people like latch onto. And mermaids not one you hear about a lot, and people it's would need not. to be educated about. It is. It's Christina Ricci's movie debut as she's probably like seven, and Winona Ryder's in it. I gotta I gotta watch this. It's great. Um, the I know I actually can't believe I ever seen that either, but I know exactly mermaids, what you're talking about. The two movies. Um, okay, lastly, somebody else, uh, this might, maybe was the same person that wanted to know what you'd uh, tell your younger self. We kind of talked about this off mic, Grace, but any, uh, I think I would tell myself like, okay, like early, early, early Grace, I'd say like, again, like lean into the thing that makes you nerdy. Like it's okay. It's good. Mm-hmm. Like high school is, n- is not everything. The end all be all like. I felt like so insecure all the time and that like I wasn't cool or, or what have you or fun. And like most of the cool, fun people peaked in high school and then went on to like not have careers or. Right. And like some people did, like plenty yeah. of people were very yeah. cool and popular in high school and are doing great things today. But I think that the way that I was raised and the fact that I was kind of nerdy, like makes me who I am today. Yeah. And then I would say to like 22 year old Grace, like just do the work. I think I was so focused on like, I would see all this cool stuff in New York and I wanted like to be a part of it. And I think if you just like put your head down, you work really hard and you're nice to people, you'll be successful. I agree with that wholeheartedly. You you almost live for too long thinking there's this like formula or secret or thing you can't figure out. And it's an amalgam of exactly what you just said. Yeah. Looking at you in the right place. I love that. What about you? I would say to like younger or high school aged Becca, I would say um, to like explore and focus on interests that are not like purely academic. Mm -hmm. Like I was, we talk about this a lot on the podcast, but I was like, I was raised in a way where I, felt like the only viable careers were doctor, lawyer, or vague business person. Mm -hmm. And I feel like Grace was raised in an environment that was like just much more creative and like it, but those were still the careers. Oh, cause I feel like at 
I had like a quarter life crisis at 25 and I was like, you can be something other than those things. And like my <laughs> mind was blown. <laughs> and um, I, I wish that I had like spent more time or not. It's not like about regrets, but it's just like, you know, explore those things. Um, totally. When Could, it's. Yeah. You know, like more lower risk like you're not committing to something you're just like oh i'm gonna dabble that's like a funny thing with like the blind spots like whatever you're told is the truth is your truth and then one day in your 20s randomly you're like i don't know yeah yeah <laughs> so i would say i like explore those types of things and then to like young adult becca i would say like calm the f down um i just feel like and i think this is true of everyone i don't think this is unique to me but i think like i placed such a great sense of importance on things that literally had no repercussions and were not important in the least and i think it's hard because it's like it's your first go at adulthood so you're like this is so important yeah but it was like you know you have a job you don't like it quit the job you date somebody and they're not the right person break up with them you live in a city you want to live somewhere else move you know yeah. like where it was like every decision and every thing that I was doing I was like oh my god I'm I'm done because I haven't because I picked wrong yeah right and I think I felt a lot of undue anxiety and also just felt maybe stifled in a way that like was unnecessary because I was not calm about those things a lot of um pressure you put on yourself absolutely but I think everyone I think a lot of people do that (laughs) um I know I agree with that and I feel like you, you it's almost like the way you get kids to like behave and do stuff is to be like action consequence action consequence and then you realize life is all gray Totally. And it's like, I feel like the most desperate emails we get, like advice seeking emails we get are always from people who are like 24 and they were like, is it too late to change my career? Oh my God. It's like, no, it's fine. But yeah. That's a great Those are point. my favorites. Like the early 20s, like think they've ruined their but whole life. But I felt life. the same way. Yeah, I did too. Yeah. But I also always tell those people like, you're not hearing what I'm hearing and what I'm hearing is how badly you care how badly you want to be successful how earnest you are and that you know like the downfall of humanity isn't people that care a ton it's apathetic people and i feel like the people that have those sort of thoughts while anxiety can be crippling and needs to be taken seriously i think they uh, find their footing because i think i really respect people that care yeah that's a great point yeah i i just like i i just think people don't even realize how many people do not give a shit like uh, they really can, they'll coast. They're That's fine where they are. So, that was such good advice, guys. Thank you. Well, honestly, guys, this is, it's like almost 11 on a school night. Like they are awesome for doing a marathon recording session. It always takes longer than you think. Cause you we get talk what you can and you talk and we yeah. eat and whatever. And, um, but you guys are so wonderful. People will love this episode. It was I could fun do just this to, all night. I know it's so fun. I just like I love to talk to people who talk for a living about the things they don't usually talk about. I know we talked about books, but what's funny is I literally don't even know if I've ever brought up a book on this podcast. So, uh, you what did you call this? The desperation minute. Yeah, on our podcast, we have a desperation minute where we beg for reviews, and then we let our guests not beg, but like just promote anything they have to promote. I mean, I, I respect calling a spade a spade. 
Yeah. yeah. Respiration. <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. Um, Grace, where can people find you? I'm at Grace Atwood and my blog is thestripe.com. And then we collectively are at Bad on Paper Podcast. What about you, Becca? Um, my Instagram is at Becca M. Freeman. And listen to our podcast. It's called Bad on Paper in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to pods. And for God's sake, leave Kate a review. Leave Kate a review. She's doing good work for She's you. She's the best. She's giving you free entertainment. This is the least you can do. She's working so hard. It's honestly the most meaningful you, thing you can do for any podcast. And Kate yeah. deserves it. Leave her a review, please. Oh my gosh. Wow. That was really nice. Five stars and write something creative. Because she's a writer, she'll like it. If it rhymes, she'll like you more. Yes. <laughs> write her a poem. Even better. I do love things that rhyme. That's Thank you for saying that because I kind of stopped doing that. Um, it doesn't mean I don't want them. But I, cause at a point I'm like, do they need to be reminded? But you're probably right. Yeah. That's why we have a segment called Desperation. Yeah. I got, yes. I got to have my own Desperation Minute. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You guys are awesome. Listen to Bad on Paper. You guys are done with your touring dates for this year. We are. Um, but you can still listen to all of their back episodes and follow them, follow along with them. And uh, we're all going to read the idea of you and do my own deep dive probably because I am obsessed with that concept. So thank you for that. Can I plug something that Please. I'm very passionate about? Yeah. We have a series called Bad on Politics. Oh my gosh, yes. Oh, yes. Thank you for reminding me. And um, talk about that. every month we have on an expert to talk about a political topic. And basically Grace and I ask them all of our, not dumb questions, but you know, the things that maybe we should know that we don't. And it's been so helpful to me as an individual and hopefully the feedback we've gotten is really good. And hopefully it's really helpful to you if you're trying to figure out what's going on in this election um, and need uh, some oh, a basic primer that doesn't talk down to you. Hopefully yeah. that's what this is. It's really cool. Yes. The, very I love that you're doing that. And I listened to the, the your inaugural episode was so good, especially because you kind of frame like we're smart people that like understand kind of what's going on, but there's not always a great place space forum for you to be like yeah so this like semi-basic thing like i should maybe understand a little bit better yeah. i actually don't know the ins and outs of it i love that you guys are a admitting that and b educating other people and see like the downfall of our uh, you know nation is like people pr being too proud to really do their research and understand stuff in a more meaningful way because then they just ignore it i think it's partly like that's the nature part of it. But I think the nurture part of it is like news has been so commoditized and it's like, you have to be so in it that it yes, is like, yes, it is it, a cottage industry of its own to like create headlines. And so it's like, you need to be reading so closely to know what's going on. There are so many candidates. It's like so crazy out there. So it's like, even if you do care, it's hard to keep up. And yeah. like, hopefully we can help to find good people who are experts in their respective fields. We're not the experts and, you know, probe them for information. That yeah. is a helpful background. Who's coming on in December? Um, we hopefully it should already be out. We're having Margot Sanger Katz on from the New York Times to talk about healthcare. Oh, amazing. I love that. You guys I, are doing great things. Yeah. Well, guys, you're the best. I'll do an outro separately, but thanks for coming on. Hopefully we'll do this again some other time. Love you tons. Bye. Thanks for having Bye. us. Bye. This is exciting. I think I might finish up with time to spare before the two hour mark. <laughs> I feel like there was something I was going to talk about earlier. Oh yeah. No, the sweet Valley high, um, <laughs> the sweet Valley high books, plot lines really quick. You just have to hear them for context. They're they're. I don't know why this is blowing my mind, but I just don't remember them being like this. Um, for example, well, some are scandalous, but some are just like Dr. Drake Grimori levels of like soap opera ridiculous. Like, 
uh, Jessica joins a cult, number 82, or crash landing. Jessica's friend gets in a plane crash and gets paralyzed, but then gets unparalyzed. And it's like, what? But then um, my personal favorite. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> this is called A Night to Remember. It was the it was edition number two. And Elizabeth and Jessica are both vying for Queen of the Jungle-themed prom. It's not just the title at stake. The winner will get a trip to Brazil. On prom night, Jessica wants Elizabeth to lose, so she spikes her punch with bougie charms from another student. Elizabeth gets drunk and withdraws from the race for Queen, and Jessica wins. After a commotion is caused by some uninvited kids from a rival school, Liz and Sam leave the dance together with Elizabeth behind the wheel of the tw twin's jeep. They get into a car accident, and Sam is killed. I'm not laughing at that. I'm laughing at, like, What? Why would your twin try to poison you? Like, it's just, it, that, there's just like a lot. Like, I didn't realize we were dealing with such like mature storylines. And also, it kind of reminds me of that uh, Save the Bell drunk driving episode. Like, didn't somebody get drunk and like run a Zamboni into a locker and it like wasn't that big of a deal? No, I don't think they were drunk when they did that. All I know is that in any teen sitcom, if they ever, you know, addressed a serious topic like drunk driving, they'd all like, be wearing street clothes at the very end in, the, in like an, the more, you know, style, be talking to the camera really seriously, make an eye contact. And they'd be like, be cool, stay in school. Drunk driving kills millions of teens each year. And I'd be like, yeah, and I was like, I'm 10. I don't know what you're saying. Sounds like the lyrics of the Brian Setzer orchestra song, drunk, drive and whale, when I, which I later found out was jump, drive and whale. But it really does sound like drunk driving, which is not OK. But you also I did a whole other episode about my thoughts about the 90s swing revival and uh, how so many schools moving to swing dancing, you know, to, to actively combat grinding with a band called the Cherry Poppin' Daddies is the irony of all ironies. You're not safe anywhere. Well, let's just let us just let us grind. <laughs> it's fine. Um, but anyway, I uh, I mean, there's several of these that are just like wild. Uh, there's a doppelganger that plots to murder Elizabeth and take over her life. And then that crazy doppelganger has a twin who is also crazy. <laughs> I love an evil twin trope. It's so good. Reminds me of when I was learning about Wario's backstory when I was having a Mario Kart moment in my youth. At one point, Liz falls in love with a werewolf. You know, if you're Team Jacob, fine. But she also dates a vampire, Team Edward. There's something for everybody. At one point, the students search for treasure and are attacked by convicts in the desert, which I'm pretty sure is the literal plot of every Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen movie where they're like, searching for like lost antiquities or like the hope diamond by some international criminal that for some reason they got tangled up with in a resort strictly for the upwardly mobile it's like what why do we have to have so many so much crime in mary kate and ashley movies but also they're twins so also maybe francine pascal is on to something anyways i highly suggest you revisit sweet valley high that was funny i had no idea um i really hope you liked this episode don't forget to follow grace and becca on all their things rate subscribe and review be there in five like they so kindly said uh patreon.com slash be there in five if you want to hear a recap from my live show i'm going to figure out what to do that footage shortly i have so much to say about it um but i wait for a different episode tune in next week for a recap of the 2010s decade and aka me laughing at every fashion and home decor and diy choices have ever made and uh yeah until next time I, I i hope you'll join us again and have a fantastic week and please come back during the uh holidays if you need some company i'll be podcasting through the end of the year and uh yeah with that said as always let me know your thoughts and i will let you know mine i'll be there in five i swear Dream on.